we were talking this morning. So one year ago, we were not here. The, uh, we had no service that weekend, which is like the first time that's, I, I don't remember not having a weekend service. So, um, so that was a year ago. So we're, we're certainly grateful to be here today and thankful. And uh, I know we're all praying with all the stuff that's going on in the water and everything. But I had to, uh, uh, I spoke a few weeks ago at a conference up in Tampa about what we'd been through. And it made me really reflect on the, the season leading up to it. And um, I, I tracked some of the things that were happening. But here's the miraculous thing about all that. I know there's still a lot of stuff happening. A lot of people are still working through things, and I get all that. But f- for us here, amazingly, um, one month after the storm, we had every service back up and running again, including movie nights, as well as doing that big outreach we were doing with thousands of volunteers going out. And, and I look back on that and think that's, that, that's just the God thing. There's no way we could have figured that out or done that without, like, divine help. And the reality is that he's with us. And, and in the storms of life, he's always with us. And so if you're still kind of hanging on and struggling, just he's with you. He's got you. I know that, that, that none of us, you know, I don't think any of us wanted that storm to come. Uh, uh, and if, if that's something you did want, see me after church. But uh, we have prayers for that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take you into a special room. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's it's because uh, now people, you know, the storms are out there, and I encourage you to pray. But uh, I remember last year, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I was praying for the, turn it north, turn it north, and then all of a sudden it was like, don't turn it north. <laughs> yeah, but you just don't know. It, you have to. It is what it is. So we pray and we trust and we do all those things. But um, God's with us, and, and God has us, and and so you know, I I just know with all this stuff stirring up again, and I, I can tell people are getting a little. It's going to be God's got you. He's got you no matter what. It's going to be you're, you're you're with Him forever. If you know Jesus, you got Him. He's got you forever, and we're going to be all right. So um, there you go. I'm resetting my timer because uh, that was all bonus. We're, we're in a series called Who Do You Think You Are? We're talking about our identity in Christ. So important for us to know who we are in Christ because we have a very real enemy who's the master of identity theft. Uh, that's not something that came along recently. We've had an enemy that's been doing it for thousands of years. And so we have to know who we are uh, in, in Christ so that we can continue to live the life that he's called us to. And right now we're doing a little sub-series about our attitude, and we're looking at the Beatitudes together, and we're going to continue that in just a moment. That's the intro. Transition, I always tell, oh, these are really bad jokes. This i got to tell you, I've exceeded the line for bad jokes. So uh, I'm very happy about this. Uh, My mailman friend tells a lot of jokes about undelivered letters, uh, but nobody gets them. (laughs) Right? Bad, right? So you're not appreciating it for the depth of how bad they are. I have another friend who says that, that they just don't understand cloning. That makes two of us. Okay, so in that vein, here we go. Last one, and you'll be thanking me. So this scientist clones himself, but the clone turns out to be incredibly rude and constantly uses foul language. One day the scientist just couldn't take it anymore, and he pushed his clone over a cliff. The clone survived, but the scientist was arrested for making an obscene clone fall. (laughs) Isn't that great? Come on. (laughs) All right. 
So as I said, we're talking uh, right now about the Beatitudes. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And we defined righteousness as being right with him and relationship with him and living by trying to do the next right thing. And then last week, I introduced you the idea that, that the fourth Beatitude and the eighth Beatitude they're about righteousness, and the three Beatitudes between them are, are sort of part of a righteousness sandwich, and it's how to live that thing out. It's about being merciful, being pure in heart, and peacemaking. So we looked at mercy last week, and I said that, you know, that's a compassionate response to human need. We looked at the story of the Good Samaritan and how that fits in. Today, we're going to talk about becoming pure in heart. Our scripture reading is out of Psalm 24, verse 3 through 6. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Blessed be the word of the Lord. We're digging into Matthew 5, 8 today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So, point number one, what does it mean to be pure in heart? What does it mean to be pure in heart? So, the heart is the center of who you are. What, what's really in your heart is only known by you and by God. And so, what you are in the secret place of your heart is as important to God as what you show the world. And from the heart comes all the issues of life. So what's going on in that spot that only you and God are aware of? That's, that's the, the idea. That's what we have to get sort of get into, and that's what we're talking about in this purity of heart. First Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so, so God is interested in what's going on in those deep, deepest places inside you. Now, the word pure there is translated from the word katharos. It's where we get our word catharsis from. And it has to do with a cleansing and, and uh, uh, in the process. And when it's, when it's applied to the heart, the idea is that of a pure motive of single-mindedness. Uh, undivided devotion, uh, spiritual integrity. That's the, the depth of the word. That's what's going on here uh, in, when we talk about having a pure heart. It's really sort of having a, a single-minded devotion to the Lord. Our scripture reading sort of helps us see that a little bit. Let me read it again, Psalm 24, uh, where David speaks of this. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. So David is defining a pure heart there in the psalm as a heart that has nothing to do with falsehood. It's, it's truthful and free from deceit. Deceit, interesting thing. See, so you know, what, what does deceit look like? Deceit is this. It's, it's when you will two things, not one thing. It's, it's you will to do one thing, so to speak, and, and yet you, at the same time, you will that people think you're doing another. It's deception. It's, 
it's, uh, if you, maybe you can relate to this. It's wanting to do things God's way, but also still wanting to do things your way and kind of hoping that at some point they'll match up, but, but getting sidetracked because our way has this pull on us that happens, you know, throughout our lives. And, and that's what we need to be aware of. It's, it's sort of getting through that whole process. In James 4, 8, it says, come near to God. And he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is making these same connections about clean hands, pure hearts, and double-mindedness, as we saw in the psalm. And, and so being double-minded is deceitful. It's, it's kind of wanting it both ways, his way and your way, and dealing with that whole process. And, and that's kind of the walk, you know, it's, it's we're yielding, we're learning to yield to the Spirit because we're doing things His way, but there's a pull to go our own way. The, the Beatitudes, remember, all start with that word blessed, and, and sometimes that word is translated happy, but really, it's a play on the word. The word that's used there for blessed is the opposite word of sin, and so sin is about going our way, but blessed is about going His way, and here we see this entire dynamic at work. So purity of heart is about living lives of integrity. And so integrity is about a singleness of heart as opposed to uh, a divided heart. And I always think of integrity this way. It's, it's living uh, what you say you believe. Uh, see, what you say you believe is how you're trying to live your life, where you're trying to live by doing the next right thing, that those things match up. I, I saw this little story. I liked it. This man who regularly attended church, and his son were driving down a country road and saw a watermelon patch a little way off the highway. And the man told his son to keep a lookout while he went to get a melon. He snuck into the patch, took a melon, and called to the boy, is anyone coming? Look both ways. And the boy wisely responded, but daddy, shouldn't we be looking up too? I was like, oh. Now, that struck me particularly because of a story I want to share with you. So years ago, and I don't know how many of you remember this, but in the, the toll booths years ago, it used to be that they, they just, you lined up and you had quarters that you pumped into the toll booth. Anybody relate to doing that before SunPath? And, um, and so they would come up and it was, you know, a quarter and then it was two quarters and then it was three quarters and then it was 15 quarters. But nonetheless, uh, <laughs> things changed over time. <laughs> well, when I would drive through those tolls, uh, for some reason, it was very important to me, like, I would always have my quarters ready, you know, and, 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 I, and I had come to this place where I wanted to make that drive through that toll as, pa- as fast as humanly possible. Like, I wanted all things to happen with never having to break, window down, quarters, you know, slammed into the thing, and, the, and if there was a, you know, everything, so it just kept on moving, and I was ready for it. You know, I'm, th- uh, come on, it's a toll, everybody knows it's coming. Well... Uh, sometimes you would, you would get behind somebody who wasn't as prepared as you going into the toll. Don't know if you've ever experienced this. <laughs> and in this one instance, I was driving with my daughter, who I think was 10 or 11 at the time. So this was, you know, 19, 20 years ago. And we're in, in this process, and I'm, I'm ready, so I'm already a little amped up because to me now it's a whole thing about how this is supposed to happen, right? And choosing wisely on the lane and all those things, very important stuff. So not important, but anyway, we're driving through, and the lane I pick and I'm ready, the car in front of me has to stop completely, which doesn't make me happy. 
And all of a sudden, I actually see the person in the car in front of me, the driver, and they're spun into the back seat, and you can tell they're looking for change. I lose my mind <laughs> out loud in front of my daughter. And my daughter, 10, 11, looks at me and she says, but Daddy, you're a pastor. I will never forget that. And the, the depth of it and the reality of it and how the Holy Spirit uses all sorts of things to get your attention. Because the reality is, who cares how quickly I get through this toll? Why in the world would I let it upset me to the point that it was where every time this, this toll booth came up, there was a whole sort of thing that would happen to me. And, and who cares? And the reality is we got all those sorts of things in our lives. They're little nothing things. We get so upset over nothing, and it actually takes away from who we really are. See, and it, it causes us, without realizing it, to sort of really not be the people of integrity that we're supposed to be. I always tease out here about, you know, the roads and how the, the silly places where two lanes merge into one and it's taken me years to sort of get past it. And I still feel it come on me every now and again. Alice caught me the other day. She says, you were, you were kind of edging it. No, no, I knew from the beginning I was going to let him in. She's like, I don't know. Because um, I used to spend that time making sure I wasn't the player. You weren't going to get in in my gap. <laughs> Because I'm going to be on that bumper of that car. I don't care. And I'll even, if I see you trying to get behind me, I'll slow down and block you if I think you deserve it. <laughs> Nobody here's ever been like that, right? As I used to say all the time, that's why I can't have a Christian bumper sticker on my car. Because I don't, I haven't arrived yet. I don't want to be identified when I'm driving. <laughs> my driving's not redeemed. It's not bad now. I, but see, the, the thing is, it's an integrity issue. Really, when you get down to it, it's, it's who we get so wrapped up in things that don't matter that we forget how important it is just to be living for him. God, what do you want me to do? You know, the, I, I think back now, 20 years later, I should have been thinking about how to figure out how to help that poor person that couldn't find the change in the car in front of me. You know what I mean? That's, that's mercy. That's compassionate. That's, uh, you know, I should be letting people in. I don't, even if you're, I know you know better. What difference does it make to, to just move someone to the problem? But it, it's something that has to change in us. This idea of, of you know, Things don't matter. It's like years ago, I, I had this thought. Somebody brought it up to me. And I, years ago, I used to play golf badly. And, uh, and one of the reasons I stopped playing golf was I realized that every, almost everybody that I knew that played golf went from being somebody who I trusted to somebody who was a terrible liar all of a sudden. Why was it so important? You know, but they, oh, they and, and you're like, it shouldn't make any difference. I remember playing uh, at Doral one time. We got, to, got invited out there for something. And, I, I, and Doral's a pretty cool golf course, right? And I remember going out in Doral. I used to golf a lot then. And I, I think I shot a 78. Oh, I shot a 78 at Doral. And they said, really? I just uh, omitted the fact that I only played nine holes. But still, <laughs> it sounded good. <laughs> what, what is it in our life sometimes that's causing us to... Get sort of double-minded, and how do we deal with that? So, second, how do we live in integrity? What does it look like? And oh, the point is this. We have to live like someone is watching. Now, I know that has sort of a creepy sort of feel to it, but, but Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So the reality is somebody is always watching. And, and we need to start understanding that. That's like that little story that I told you. Somebody's always watching. 
Um, Alice and I, we like those little whodunit shows sometimes. And, and a lot of times when they're trying to solve a crime, they're looking for CCTV and, and all sorts of things that are captured on camera. And really, where there's cameras everywhere nowadays. So everything's there. Um, and I, I think that's a freeing thing. Because I think what it does, it just causes us, we should live one way. Not, it shouldn't be different if somebody, we think somebody's watching or not. We should just live one way. See, that's the heart of this. That's the purity of heart. And, and we want to live like that. Um, well, I, I remember the whole camera thing. Years ago, too, the, the restaurant, the Bucktooth Rooster now, it used to be the coffee shop. And Alice and I were there for dinner one night. And she, uh, she came to the table and she said, I got to tell you what happened. I said, what happened? What happened? She said, well, I, I came out of the restroom, which used to be in the, well, maybe it still is in the back corner, and the, the registers and everything were right there. And uh, she said, I came out of the restroom and there was a $100 bill on the ground. I was like, cool. And, and, and she said, so I saw it, you know, and I, I, without even thinking, I just picked it up and I handed it right away to the people behind the registers and said, hey, this $100 bill in case somebody had missed it or something. And then she said, then I was walking back and I all of a sudden started thinking, what if that was like a candid camera moment, you know? She'd already done the right thing, but she was thinking, what if they were watching me? And, you know, what if I hadn't done what you... I said, well, you, you were going to do the right thing anyway, but that's the reality of this. You know, let's live like, it doesn't matter who sees what's going on, because we're, we're doing the best that we can to live single-mindedly for God. None of us is perfect at that, but that's what we were doing. And, and, uh, and so it's, you don't have to live with, oh, my goodness, what if somebody just saw what was going on? And, and we, we just need to be who we are, walking this out in the Lord, yielding to the Holy Spirit, living lives that please God. First Thessalonians 4.1, Paul says, finally, Brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So, so this idea is we're, we're just learning to yield to the Spirit, and as we're yielding to the Spirit, then, then we're living lives that please God. And, and so this is the whole process that we're engaged in. I read a book some years ago, an uh, interesting book by John Eldridge, who, who's written some neat stuff. And he had this quote in there that I'll never forget. And he was actually, he was in a discussion with another guy named Henry Nowen, Christian counselor, and has done some other stuff. And uh, it, it, the guy Henry Nowen had had an opportunity to meet with Mother Teresa. And he asked her about spiritual direction. And he said, can you, can you give me, you know, give me some idea about spiritual direction to Mother Teresa? And, and she said, oh, yeah, here you go. She said, uh, listen, just spend an hour every day with Jesus and then never do anything that's wrong. <laughs> and you think, but do you get how amazing that is? If you know something's wrong, don't do it. That's right. Hang out with Jesus and then... So, so see, that's what we're working towards. Now, I get it. We have, you know, we're still flesh, and we have this pull all the time, but we need to be yielding to the Spirit so that we're moving more and more with the, the single devotion to Him. Third, what is it to see God? That's the promise. And the reality is we have access now because of what Jesus has done to the literal presence of God. Hebrews 10 19 through 22, most of you know this set of verses. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure 
water. We have access now into the most holy place. That's, they're, really, they're, they're talking about the literal presence of God. We have that, remember, because when we come to Christ, we're justified, just as if we'd never sinned, God choosing to see us in the perfection of His Son. And so we have access then, as if we'd never done anything wrong, into the literal presence of God. So because of Jesus, we, we have this access to the Father. And though we can't see Him yet, someday we will, but, but now because of Jesus, we can know Him. John 1, 14 through 18, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. So we have a promise, and, and, uh, in, and we've talked about that we're living this life now. Um, these, these beatitudes are only possible by the, made possible as we've gotten a hold of the first ones, that we're, we're broken, that apart from Him we can do nothing, that we need Jesus desperately every moment of our lives. But, but then as we get that, then we begin to yield to the Holy Spirit, and He begins to change us. And, and one of these changes is this desire to live for Him above all else, and that He's with us, and that He's for us, and we know His amazing grace and His mercy, and this realization then helps us to continue to press in to Jesus, uh, living a life with Him and for Him, and and in in all of that, knowing Him more and more until the day when we'll see Him face to face, and and that's what's in store for all of us. So just kind of take that in, this idea of what it means to be pure in heart. Know that we're, it's, we're in process, all of us, because we, we're still battling flesh, and, and, and yet we have the Holy Spirit now who's helping us to overcome those things. And uh, He will continue to draw us in more and more and closer and closer. Amen?